You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 44, Tight Spaces. Summary. A little closer and a little closer. Don't get me wrong, but aren't we usually running towards the crime scene? Hitoshi is actually keeping up with Aizawa's just-below-max sprint down a hallway of the embassy, so he manages this while also questioning Aizawa's intentions is a testament to his improved cardio. They've had an intense couple of weeks. Aizawa doesn't have time for long conversations, but he's got enough for a four-word explanation. There's a better way. He shoots before ducking into the first fire escape stairwell he comes across. Aizawa almost throws himself down the narrow, coiling stairway, taking the steps into four or fives at a time, and using his capture weapon to swing around the cramped arterial service system that runs throughout the hotel like a critical artery. Just because Aizawa hates this place doesn't mean he's not familiar with it. Overfamiliarity is how he knows he hates it so much. Hitoshi is persistent, using his own threat of capture weapon to follow after Aizawa, actually managing to leap enough stairs at once to interrogate his, supposedly, fearless leader further. Where are we going? Surveillance room, Aizawa answers as he checks a floor sign and racks his memory for the right number to stop on. They said there are no cameras. Hitoshi echoes this not because he thinks it's true, but to make Aizawa explain why he knows it's false. Aizawa doesn't answer him right away, until Hitoshi leaps across an internal stairwell to bounce onto the banister right ahead of him, shortcutting to get ahead, and an answer. Even if Aizawa dodges around Hitoshi without breaking his own stride, Kit can keep up, he'll admit that. Except theirs. Reaching the right floor, Aizawa lands heavily, pausing for a moment to take a breath. Hitoshi skids to a stop, almost... Hitoshi skids to a stop, almost crashing behind him, catching himself on the tether of his capture weapon like a purple-feathered fishing lure dangling on the end of a long line, reminding Aizawa of a fishing, a fishing with his father for the moment before he drops. Aizawa stands and shoulders the nearest door open, spilling out into another grandiose corridor, just like the one they fled some fifteen floors up. How'd you know where to go? Hitoshi's voice is barely hushed, and Aizawa would tell him to pipe down and just focus on following and paying attention. But things between them are a little tense right now, and... Aizawa's afraid of upsetting Hitoshi, basically. Even if it's grossly unprofessional. He's got the gross part covered, at least. Instead, they pace in stormy silence side by side down a roomy corridor in the hotel's customer-facing sphere of cushy grandeur and too many fancy glass sconces, steeped in the quiet hush that screams of a prison in lockdown, lest they forget this place is used by villains of such repute that they would face capture the second they ever stepped outside of this gilded cage. Beats prison, as long as they can keep the dirty money rolling into the hotel's co hotel's pockets. Been here before. Aizawa counts the doors with a familiar habit, dusty and not used for a while. Not since he got last got thrown out of this establishment, with an extra bullet hole and some more broken bones for good measure. 
Izashi pitched a fit, rightly so, and Aizawa had to relent to giving this place a wider berth if he didn't want to literally end up dead. So maybe Eraserhead eased off on this particular hunting grounds, but its secrets are still here in the archives of his mind. Aizawa halts in front of a well-concealed service door that's almost inlaid in the wall. The hallway carries on smooth and oversconced, betraying no sign of secrets held behind it. But Aizawa's an old dog with some older yet tricks. While subtly hidden, the door of the service room, for the likes of the housekeeping staff murdered earlier today, has no lock. The handle gives way easily under the weight of Aizawa's touch. At first he only opens the door, waiting to usher Hitoshi in before following from the rear. As Hitoshi slips past him, Aizawa steps inside and pulls the door shut behind them, instantly finding himself face to face with Hitoshi in a cramped service room of too many shiny surfaces, lit up in stark fluorescent glare. This is largely the product of the polished steel shelves on all sides of the room, which are stacked high with towels, bedding, and housekeeping supplies, and even miniature toiletries for the bathroom all kept in impeccable order. In the midst of this scene, Hitoshi's face is a picture of fawn in an exceedingly dark forest. Uh, are you sure we're in the right place? Hitoshi's uncertain in more ways than one, so when Aizawa steps forward, it seems natural that Hitoshi steps back in turn, backing up in the narrow room that's fairly deep, but still not big. Yeah, Aizawa answers, his voice still muted, making it almost husky with the addition, I used to come here a lot. Why? Hitoshi takes another step back, giving Aizawa a three-volume encyclopedia of a look. Aizawa realizes he's not being as informative as he could, and that was part of their issue in the Shimizu place to begin with. Leaving Hitoshi out while Aizawa bounded ahead with the wealth of experience under his belt that he's supposed to be sharing. So they don't have long, but he supposes that he supposes they have a moment. Aizawa stops moving forward. The the hotel has closed circuit cameras throughout the building. They just lie about it to outsiders. He begins to unpack with a hint of urgency because time is a factor, and this seriously can't take long. The control room is next door. Aizawa steps forward again, and Atoshi keeps the space between them even, effectively reversing through the narrow, towel-lined space until his back is against the shelf of cleaning supplies at the end. So what are we doing in here? Hitoshi's got his gaze fixed on Aizawa, but to be fair, there isn't really anywhere else for it to go. Aizawa isn't trying to deliberately push Hitoshi against the wall, but the preservation of the space between them is a way to move Hitoshi without touching him at least. Just a little push, while staying, while trying to respect the distance between them. Hard balance to keep. The vent. Aizawa comes to a stop and doesn't advance any further, not invading Hitoshi's bubble beyond the buffer he's made. The twist of Hitoshi's eyebrow is a signature in purple ink on a document he doesn't understand. The what? Vent. Aizawa gestures with his eyes. Up there. Hitoshi's looking a bit like he wants a vent, his gaze following Aizawa's for the metal grill high up in one corner of the room, then becoming more sullen as Aizawa continues. 
It's a tight fit for me, but you should get through easily. By this, Aizawa means he usually gets stuck. Being able to slip a long purple pipe cleaner animal with a brainwashing cork through his favorite rat-run entrance to the hotel's surveillance suite is, as usual, incredibly useful to Aizawa's work. He's getting too old to fall through ceilings. Aizawa thinks they're about to move on when Toshi draws night qu not quite out of the blue, but past enough clouds to not have been expected as suddenly as this. Aizawa, I... Back at the Shimizu place, I know I reacted badly. The next words are pushed out quickly, like a cat knocks ornaments off a shelf. I just wanted you to know that I... I don't think you're a bad hero. Aizawa's heart shatters like a piece of crystalware knocked off the mantelpiece by the same devious cat. He wants to tell Hitoshi that nothing Hitoshi ever thinks of Aizawa will change the way Aizawa feels about him, so Hitoshi never has to have that look on his face like he does now. The fear and disappointment of having made Aizawa think less of him by calling Aizawa's ethics into question. That's not how it works, at least not with Aizawa, but he can't blame Hitoshi for not being sure. Maybe Hitoshi's noticed the distance between them, even when it was put there because of and for him but there's no way of knowing if he'd taken it to mean something it's not. Withdrawing can be interpreted as a lot of different ways, so Aizawa's got no certainty that Hitoshi will always understand what Aizawa means by his actions alone. Another hard-learned lesson, to communicate in proper words. You had every right to react the way you did earlier. Aizawa speaks like he's walking across a frozen river that n might not be strong enough to hold his weight, but fuck, he sure hopes so. I'm not upset with you. It's only a hunch, of sorts. A guess Aizawa has for why Hitoshi's suddenly spilling not-quite-apologies at a moment they really need to be moving forward. Like a shadow cast from a figure deep in a cave, made horrifying and monstrous across the rugged walls. Hitoshi's reaction now tells Aizawa what the kid's used to experiencing. So the fact that Hitoshi responds with a fragile, really, tells Aizawa everything he needs to know. There's the Shinso recipe for addressing conflict after a clash with authority. Don't touch it. Not ever. Just quietly burn with anger and resentment and grow further and further apart. Which Aizawa responded to by... not touching Hitoshi anymore. So perhaps the wrong choice in hindsight. Of course not, Aizawa replies softly. You're allowed to question me. Unlike Dr. Shinso, it goes without needing to be said. Yeah, but I... I didn't want to argue with you, and now it's like we're... Going backwards, maybe. That's what Aizawa feels, if it's never been what he thinks or wants. But it's never been what he thinks or wants. I was trying to give you space. Which is kind of the opposite to what's happening right now. Aizawa crowding Hitoshi pretty much against this set of shelves... 
but if the proximity hasn't made steam start shooting out under pressure. Asawa didn't mean for any of it to happen this way, because they do have a surveillance room to break into... in a few seconds. Not before tending to a couple of sharp edges that could still draw blood with the wrong handling. Aizawa lets himself fall slack, shoulders back and his posture barely off from slouching, because he can't help certain aspects of his physical presence, but he can soften himself to not stand dominatingly over someone. It's never been Aizawa's style to put the authority boots on, unless it's for their own good. And even then, Aizawa often feels sorry for the necessary harshness that he's been forced to deal out over the years even when it saves lives at the cost of crushed dreams. I shouldn't have raised my voice with you either. I'm sorry. I yelled too. It's all right. Hitoshi rushes like he can't bear the idea of Aizawa apologizing again. I just wanted to make sure we're... not frightening, not fighting, resentful, not bottling up bitterness and anger to decant for later. We're fine, Aizawa reassures, wondering whether the distance he'd assumed was helpful did any good at all, or if what was supposed to be respecting Hitoshi's space, giving him the flexible boundaries to choose when he did and didn't want to be reached for, actually made things worse. That maybe even if Hitoshi pushes Aizawa away, he still wants to be reached for, until he's ready to accept it again, knowing that support is unconditional. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. This shit's hard to figure out. Harder than pure teaching, and Aizawa's not always going to get it right. Following the impulse he'd been denying, hoping this was the mistake he's been making, Aizawa offers a simple proposition to address the space between them. An inelegant solution to the problem of feeling distant, but one that's been known to work. Do you want a hug? Hitoshi looks amazed and terrified in the same fell swoop, like there's a script for how he's used to these things going, and on the first table read, Aizawa came in with a shredder, cut the thing to ribbons, and is now dunking the pieces in dipping sauce before chowing them down. It's deceptively simple, but puts the ball back in Hitoshi's court with a way to address the emotional backlash that's healthy and honest, instead of playing the mind games he was presumably raised on. Slowly, a smile works into the stiff corner of Hitoshi's mouth. You're so lame. Can't let the mind games go just yet, then. So that's a no- Aizawa starts moving swiftly on. No! I, I mean, yeah. Hitoshi isn't outright blushing or anything, but he's a little choked up, and Aizawa's heart goes out to him like a dog chasing a frisbee. It's a mumbling, cripplingly sentimental, come here, that Aizawa lets slip as he reaches easily for Hitoshi, who's almost exactly the length of his arm away, like he's been waiting for Aizawa to do it the whole time. A broad hand comes to rest on Hitoshi's shoulder, a landing pad to coax him forward as they both lean in. Aizawa shifts his arm to fold behind Hitoshi's shoulders as the team moves closer. They're almost the same height, putting Hitoshi's eyeline to about Aizawa's jaw as Hitoshi's face fills the curve of his shoulder. As naturally as the turn of a river, Aizawa lifts his arm and nestles a hand in Hitoshi's hair, 
holding him gently as he feels the teen relax into the hold. That, we're okay, moment of touching someone, and just feeling better. Aizawa knows the true value more than anyone. Hisashi's the one who taught him many years ago. How is it, how it's so much better to ask, and he'll be amazed who says yes. Because people don't want to live in bubbles where they don't touch anyone. They just don't always know how to ask for it. Aizawa feels one of Hitoshi's arms curl loosely around Aizawa's back, and the deep breath Hitoshi takes, hanging on to the moment of sweet relief like it's been overdue for much longer than this afternoon. After a short pause, Hitoshi sniffs more distinctively and then murmurs into Aizawa's shoulder, Is that your hair? Is what my hair? The smell, Hitoshi sniffs again. It's weirdly nice. Hisashi to thank for that one. It's clean. Aizawa reveals the ugly truth, and Hitoshi backs away promptly with his eyes cast away from Aizawa, which is impressive in the tiny space. I'll give you a boost up the shelves. Okay. Hitoshi mumbles with those same aversive eyes, and Aizawa feels better if nothing else. It's fine for things to take a little while to sink in, and Hitoshi's uncertainty is a strong indicator of how unfamiliar this kind of resolution is to him. It makes Aizawa angry if he thinks about it long enough, so he tries not to because they've got too much else to do in the meantime. Aizawa moves into place directly below the vent, his back to one of the sets of shelves piled with bedsheets and towels that have surely absorbed all kinds of horrible matter in their service at this hotel. The room will be straight on from where you enter. There will be someone inside monitoring the feed, so use your quirk to subdue them and let me in from the access panel on the inside of the door. Aizawa instructs as he laces his fingers together, holding his hands out like a sling while Hitoshi turns to face him and then finally takes a step towards Aizawa. But then Hitoshi hesitates, seeming like he might be about to ask something. Another question of whether Aizawa is sure about Hitoshi using his quirk, maybe but then Aizawa wouldn't ask if he wasn't. If this place doesn't respect the laws, they can't exactly exact, they can't expect to be protected by them either, as if any of them are strictly law-abiding in the first place. Except whatever it is Hitoshi was about to say never surfaces, because maybe not all of it needs to be said. Hitoshi just nods, then plants his well-worn trainer in Aizawa's hands and takes a step up. The grate should clip off, Aizawa adds as Hitoshi stretches into a full stand, one hand resting on Aizawa's shoulder for a moment as he comes to be posed like a purple flamingo, perching on one leg in Aizawa's pooled palms. I got it. Hitoshi lifts his other knee to rest against Aizawa's shoulder, warm from where his hand just left, using Aizawa's sturdy frame for added purchase as he removes the covering of the vent which ensures a steady flow of air to and from the outside into these shut-off, windowless pockets within the hotel's service structure. After a little wobbling around, and only the odd jerk where Aizawa has to exert a little effort to keep Hitoshi from falling backward, Hitoshi gets the vent cover off and passes it down to Aizawa. They're stable enough that Aizawa swaps to just one hand to support Hitoshi's foot, and the other hand taking the vent cover and stashing it on one of the shelves, 
wedged between stacks of folded towels. Then Aizawa takes a two-handed grip on Itoshi's foot again and lifts him higher, until he uses Aizawa's shoulder as the next rung of a human ladder for a well-worn trainer's to tread, climbing up to wriggle on top of the shelves, and then starting to disappear into the teen-sized ventilation shaft. Hitoshi's foot leaves Aizawa's hands first, and then as he crawls further in, the other foothold on his shoulder lifts up too. Aizawa's left with his back to the shelves, and a sense of anxiety he must do his best to manage, if not outright ignore. The last time Aizawa had tried to get into the embassy's top-secret surveillance room this way, he'd gotten stuck. And getting unstuck had involved taking down the entire section of the vent through the ceiling, which had made him about as popular with the management as anyone would reasonably expect. The sounds of Hitoshi shuffling away becomes more distant, and it's normal to worry about him, Aizawa tells himself. He thinks he's beginning to get a better handle on the fine-tuning of that dial, to sit between keeping Hitoshi out of trouble and not being a helicopter hovering barely two inches above his head. After all, Hitoshi's not in training to be a hero because being in their line... After all, Hitoshi's not in training to be a hero because being in the line of danger is an unacceptable risk to him. So his choice to pursue that path is something his worrisome guardians must do their best to make peace with especially when it's Aizawa's job that puts Hitoshi in the way of all this danger in the first place. Such a hypocrite. However, handling himself under pressure isn't something Hitoshi has ever shown a huge amount of difficulty with so far. The distant sounds of him bumping around and then presumably pushing off the vent on the other side, into the surveillance room, echo through the small opening above Aizawa's head, and there's a distant thump before Aizawa can just make out the sound of Hitoshi's voice going, Now wait a minute! This isn't the men's bathroom! Anyone would think he enjoys the moments like this, getting to feel like a real hero. Who the fuck? Aizawa smiles, picking himself up off the shelves and heading back out to the service room, carefully peeking in either direction to check the way is clear before he steps out into the corridor again. Running a palm along the smooth wall, Aizawa feels for a tiny ridge that tells of something behind the seemingly blank surface. Just as Aizawa draws his hand back from it, a seam appears as a panel in the wall slides back, moving an almost invisible edge to reveal the hidden door that Itoshi can easily open from the inside, while a strange chugging sound that's definitely not the door emerges from within. Aizawa steps from exorbitant chic to a sweaty metal shoebox in a single stride, pacing into a dingy room filled with the glare from a 32-monitor display at one end, which shows a shifting tapestry of security feed from all across the hotel. Thankfully, the management don't film in the service areas, as it'd be obvious where all their own dirty dealings go on. But there's more than enough action on the show from the hundred-odd feeds from the embassy's suites being used by at least 10 of the 100 most wanted in Japan list on any given night. Even more if they're having a convention at the inbuilt conference hall. It's a hell of a view for anyone in the chair of this digital watchtower, which presently contains a guard who's snoring like a tugboat. You put him to sleep? Aizawa murmurs as Hitoshi hits the close switch and the door starts to roll shut as silently as it opened. Out like a light. Hitoshi replies smugly, 
and with a little time for their moment in the service room to sink in, he already seems more at ease around Aizawa. Like niggling doubt has been put to rest, as soundly as the snoring guard in his chair. That they're okay. Didn't realize your quirk works like that. Aizawa muses, although it becomes clearer and clearer that Hitoshi's quirk works just about every way he wants it to. Depends on the person. Hitoshi sounds pretty chuffed over Aizawa's interest, but that's surely a given at this point. What's Aizawa like to control? He wonders. Does it change with his different moods in each unique context of the times Aizawa's let himself be brainwashed by Hitoshi? Or is it easy? Just like you, Shota, Hizashi would probably lilt with a snotty smirk and remind Aizawa about all the times he's traded sexual favors for leads. I just said he was feeling very sleepy all of a sudden. It's a true hypnotist's cliche, but hell if Aizawa wouldn't be first in line to try the Shinso special sleep aid. Aizawa gives a quiet scoff as he approaches the screen display, past the slumbering guard, and starts to manipulate the controls of the screen display. He's no whiz with this many-button table, but Aizawa took note of the dock in Shioko's room number, so he can key into it key it into a number pad to bring up the dedicated feed of that room on one of the on one of the screens full time using a turning dial that will allow the user to rewind footage as far as he needs blackmail galore in this room for the right price right now the screen is showing the gory scene they came upon and the challenge too slow spread on the wall in blood it's empty which isn't a good sign there's supposed to be people in there, still inspecting the crime scene where Aizawa and Hitoshi are supposedly having their heartfelt reconciliation right about now. And not in a service room for spying several floors below. Where are they? Hitoshi questions suspiciously, and rightly so. We won't have much time, Aizawa warns, tilting the tracking wheel into reverse so the footage begins to rewind. Aizawa and Hitoshi, among others, appear back on the screen, and then pass that to when the Doc and Shioka were occupying this room. Aizawa has an important thought, which he shares with Hitoshi as he presses pause and looks over. You don't have to watch. We're back to this again? Hitoshi scorns. I told you already! Hitoshi starts, but doesn't finish, transfixed instead by the figures frozen on the screen paused by Aizawa's finger on the button. I'm serious, Hitoshi. Aizawa doesn't always call Hitoshi by name, not in settings like this, but there's something important he wants to reach for, to tap into within Hitoshi so that Aizawa might be able to do something, just a little thing, to shield his kid from the awful shit they don't both have to see. Only one of us has to look. What if you miss something? Hitoshi sounds rushed, which is sensible for the situation, but maybe it's also discomfort. Dr. Shinso cuts a static picture on the high-quality security footage feed. He's leaving the room with the fresh murder behind him, Shioko out of sight, or already left, perhaps, with the bloody corpse behind him, and not a hair out of place on the good doctor's head. The doc is almost looking right into the camera. His distinctive locks slicked back and colored black, matching the expensive suit he's wearing. 
Another reason they didn't recognize him at check-in, perhaps. Maybe it's different than Hitoshi imagined, seeing his father on the outside. How fucking happy he looks for one. The smug, I-know-you're-watching smile of a monster enjoying his freedom. If I see anything I can't make sense of, I'll stop and ask you. Aizawa urges, with his fingers resting lightly on the dial. He doesn't want to see this either, but someone has to, and Aizawa doesn't want it to be Hitoshi. Let me take this one for both of us. If they hadn't made up, call it what it is, in the laundry room just now, Aizawa is almost certain Hitoshi would have refused, made it a point that he has to see everything Aizawa does, and he's mature enough to handle it. But the truth is, Aizawa isn't even ready to handle this. Just that one of them has to. And Aizawa's better prepared to deal with the mess than Dr. Shinso's actual teenage son. Hopefully, Hitoshi understands that Aizawa isn't saying Hitoshi's not good or not good enough or not ready to be a valuable second pair of eyes. It's just that Aizawa doesn't want to be the one to put him through this. That it's not necessary, so just don't. Hitoshi's piercing stare could say as much and far more, and it's important he understands now Aizawa isn't upset or trying to hold Hitoshi away out of disdain, but only out of a desire to protect him from the very worst of something he doesn't have to experience. Fine. Hitoshi turns his back to the screens, and the structure inside Aizawa gives way with a desperate scream of relief. Just make it quick. Keep a lookout. Aizawa gives as a two-for-one excuse distraction, as his fingers tilt the dial, and then resumes winding backwards through the dock in Shioko's first night together. It goes about as god-awfully as Aizawa expects. Played backwards, the security footage actually shows the unlikely revival of the poor guard that the dock in Shioko made butcher himself for the offense of trying to confront them. Shioko was the one to dirty her hands, while the dock just watched from that chair. Aizawa fucking knew the sick cunt had that had sat there drinking whiskey as he got to witness little Shioko, all grown up, finally doing what he wanted her to do, with all, all with her beloved professor watching. Aizawa's white hot with anger, and the only thing that makes it seem like there's a shred of good left in this sick bucket of a world is the fact that Hitoshi doesn't have to see it too. In spite of his initial deliberation over whether to look away, as Aizawa suggested, Hitoshi has turned around and not stirred from that position, not even seemed like he's tempted to look back. In reverse, the story is marginally more palatable, but still fucking grim, as the victim takes his dismembered organ out of his mouth, zips his cheeks back up with the scalpel that Shioko takes off him, which she then uses to fix his cock back onto his body while he sits completely unmoving eyes wide in smothered terror. Finally, Shioko returns the blade to the dock, who is still prone in his chair, so unmoving throughout the scene that he looks the same forwards as backwards, but that the whiskey in his glass gets a little higher each time he sips. Aizawa stops and watches the footage forwards for a section, just before the guard first enters the room and the bloody stuff starts, when it seems like the dock and Shioko are in the process of getting ready to check out. It's an exchange that doesn't last very long, but it does tell Aizawa one thing. 
The brainwashing quirk used to subdue the victim is the docs. And although Shioko leads in the murder, even writes the note just as Aizawa had thought, she never uses her own quirk throughout the killing. Which, Aizawa supposes, probably makes this one about half and half for the pair of them. The true shape of their killing together. Shioko's lust for violence combined with the doc's wrath against anyone who dares to stand in his way. As someone who's made rather a point of putting himself in Dr. Shinso's way, right between a father and his son as it happens, Aizawa's growing sense of unease feels remarkably well-placed. Rewinding further, Aizawa catches the exchange where the two cleaning staff who jumped from the bridge were first brought into the dock in Shioko's power too, innocently knocking on the door and asking if the room was ready to be cleaned later in the morning. Going by the timestamp on the corner of the screen, from what it's worth, the four of them all left the, the room at the same time, without the chains that were responsible for drowning the doomed lovers later on. Must have gotten them on the outside. Before that, Aizawa starts to find the things he was looking for, what the leftovers only hinted at, now completed in full twisted glory. It strikes Aizawa cold that makeup sex played backwards is just fucking followed by an argument. Aizawa's definitely tried both ways around, and it's definitely more unsavory in one direction. Doubly so for it when it's the Doc and Shioko. Hitoshi might be aware of his father's sexuality, but Aizawa certainly doesn't want to watch his own father having sex with anyone, so he can't imagine a way Hitoshi would ever want to witness all this. It's angry fucking, at least starting at the finish, and Aizawa can't help being struck by Hitoshi's comment about the doc not respecting Shioko if he's using condoms. Never more poignant than watching the austere frame of Dr. Shinso pound the buxom female on the bed underneath him. The camera quality is okay. Best footage of Shioko they've seen so far. And the other snippets of Shioko and the other snippets they've collected so far all align. She's petite and curvy, bleached hair growing out at the roots, and for the most part fawns over Dr. Shinso's every action. When she's not crossly confronting him over his disappearance midway through the night, waking up the docks waking up after the doc slipped out to murder prison to murder a prison guard and pacing maniacally, even after he put Shioko to bed with another round of fucking. The first time, technically, played forwards, and a little less aggressive than the second round. The doc certainly got appetite, but then who wouldn't after six years behind bars? There are specific details as I was looking for as he quick scans the surveillance footage. The high-end shopping bags Shioko and Dr. Shinso first arrived to the hotel with. A new suit and things to disguise their appearance. Their initial movements after getting into the room. How they carry themselves fresh from an ingeniously planned prison break. Playing it the right way once more, Dr. Shinso strolls in like he owns the place, and first of all takes a long shower, while Shioko paces nervously around the hotel suite in his absence, eventually stripping naked and getting onto the bed before the doc emerges from the bathroom. She made it easy for him, as our reflects. So even if not to his particular tastes, or up to his standards, as the doc might have it, when offered a willing female body on a plate, desperate to please him, the person's supposed to understand Shioko better than anyone else. 
Not even Dr. Shinso is going to turn down a free lunch. Aizawa? Hitoshi leads worrisomely. Just a minute, Aizawa barters, twisting the tracking knob back and forth to pick out the most striking exchanges between the killing double act. Because for all they can agree on in bloody murder, the fractious tension between the revered professor and his disciple is never more clear than in the moments when Shioko reaches for the dock intimately, only to be knocked away and then, once he's made up his mind, held far too close. Aizawa gets a sneaking suspicion that although they have similar means and a shared penchant for murder, Shioko and Dr. Shinso want very different things from one another. Uh, I don't think we've got a minute. Hitoshi comes back around with a new degree of urgency in his tone, and finally Aizawa hits pause and looks over. Hitoshi is watching a pool of dark... something drip through the ceiling. Aizawa hesitates to try and describe the substance any further, because it seems neither solid nor liquid, and drips as much as it drops from the ceiling to land on the floor of the surveillance room, in a form that rapidly takes familiar shape. One of the man in a black suit and red shirt, curled over like a hermit crab that slowly uncoils and then stands up. The one and only Toto, their ditched escort, whose quirk Aizawa's got a pretty good idea of now. Just stepping outside for a minute? Toto remarks sarcastically. Aizawa wonders if this guard was properly warned about dealing with the racer head, concluding that he must not have, because then the last thing he'd ever have done is let Aizawa lay eyes on him. He knows what Hitoshi's quirk is, Aizawa thinks first, before several things happen very quickly all at once. They'll have to do this one the old-fashioned way. <laughs>